Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. Well, good morning, everyone. It's so good to be here with you, and my name's Karen. Um, I would love to just start our time off by um, reading a portion of scripture that is going to point to one of our key scriptures this morning. And I'd love for you to engage by fully listening. So I'm not going to have the words on the screen. And I just invite you to close your eyes and listen as there may be a phrase or word that jumps out to you. And if that happens, take some mental notes. This may be the Holy Spirit. This may be the Lord wanting to speak to you about something this morning. These are selected verses from Isaiah 40. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her that her sad days are gone. Her hard service has been completed. Her sins are pardoned. That she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Listen. It's the voice of someone shouting and calling. Clear the way through the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in a desert a highway for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves, smooth out the rough places, that the uneven ground shall even become level and one, and the rough places made plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all the people of all flesh will see it together, for the Lord has spoken. So go up on a high mountain, lift up your voice, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift up your voice and shout. Do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, behold, your God, your God is coming. And yes, behold, the Lord God comes with might and his powerful arm rules for him. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. Amen. You can open your eyes. Um, this morning, as we continue in this Advent season, and I'm looking for our little handy-dandy match because I get to the honor of lighting these candles, but it has disappeared, so give me one minute as we get that. But as we continue in the Advent series of God with us, thank you, Bridget, um, we're going to be talking about peace and how the path of peace is Jesus, for Jesus is our peace. And so as lighting these Advent candles, as Pastor Ebenhand spoke about last week, it is very significant because Advent was brought to us in a time, they chose the, the season of winter because it is the longest hours of darkness. And we have seen the longest hours of darkness throughout decades from wars and famines and racism and hatred, you name it, from illness, from death. We've experienced the darkness. And Advent is a time that we choose together to stop and not to stare at those things, but to stare into the face and into the eyes of Jesus Christ, who is our peace. So, for just a little engagement interaction, I invite you guys. Um, when you think of the word peace, what words come to your mind? 
feel free to shout, shout them out, that describes peace. What do you think of when you think of the word peace? Calm. Tranquility. Nature. Rest. Stillness. It's awesome. And in the Bible, there is uh, the word peace, shalom, and we're going to learn a little bit about the biblical meaning and understanding because there's some really deep and profound significance to how the Bible describes what the word peace means. So we have a little video that's prepared from the folks at the Bible Project. Um, they, they do an excellent job, so check it out. Check this video out as they describe the biblical foundation of peace. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is eirene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no it can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job, who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flocks and no animals in them. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts, Reconciles all things in heaven and earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. 
because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. Isn't that awesome? They did such a good job. Um, and I love how well this video depicts that peace is more than just the absence of conflict. It's not just tranquility or calmness, but that the biblical understanding of peace is that it is picking up and restoring, bringing the broken pieces back to wholeness and completeness. Peace is God's master blessing of himself to be in harmony and in unity with us. And despite our popular opinion throughout this world that, you know, we're, there's too much going on for there to be peace, there's too much sickness, there's too much disease, there's too much war, there's too much conflict, this morning God wants you to know that our peace is his will. Our peace is God's will. Because God's peace is his master blessing of himself in harmony and unity for us and the world. And we see this morning that peace is so much God's will that he will not even spare himself to come and make it so. We see that it is so much his will that his presence is our peace, that God with us is his will to make us whole and complete in him. And we see that all this comes into fulfillment in the person of Jesus, who is our peace. Because Jesus is the path of peace. Or in other words, Jesus, being the whole and complete one, wants to also make us whole and complete in himself. So let's talk about this path a little bit more. Um, this path of Jesus being peace for us to follow him. I want to um, talk about a story from Luke Warren. And um, it actually, as I, as I tell you the story, it does point to the fulfillment of the first scriptures that I read this morning from Isaiah 40. So um, Luke begins off by introducing us to a couple that is well endowed in age, Elizabeth and Zechariah. The Bible actually says that they were quite old. And Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were actually pretty influential in their community because they came from a rich history and lineage of priests. And so Zechariah actually served as a priest. And Elizabeth was one of the granddaughters of one of the high priests. And so they were really seen in the community. Um, one of my friends painted it this way, that they were a real power couple. Um, but in the midst of all that, Elizabeth was unable to have children. And if we know the culture back in this time, not being able to have children was kind of seen as a withdrawal of God's blessing. And so Zechariah, being one of the priests during the time, got to go and serve in his temple duties. And so he goes to do his temple duties, and by the luck of the draw, by casting lots, he gets chosen to go into what's called the holy place, which is the temple. Um, it's their temple. And in the holy place, there's a bit of a walk, but right towards the end is the veil. 
And behind the veil is the Holy of Holies, where the very presence of God for the children of Israel is and dwells. And only one person gets to go there once a year into the Holy of Holies. But Zechariah gets to go into the holy place. And right before the veil is what's called the candle of incense, where he is going to do his priestly duty. And it's significant because scholars believe that this is the first and only time Zechariah gets to do this because there was hundreds of priests in different tribes. So here, in Zechariah's old age of serving year in and year out, he gets chosen to go in the holy place and light this candle before the Holy of Holies. So as he enters in, all of a sudden, he enters into the holy place. There is an angel that is standing right next to the place that he is to walk up to and light the candle. And this is not a Valentine's Day chubby baby angel. Okay, this is the angel of Gabriel, who is one of the highest ranking angels. And in the scripture, Gabriel even says, um, I stand in the presence of God, which means we see this colliding of heaven and earth happening right here in this holy place that Gabriel is able to be in earth and make his appearance before Zechariah as well as stand in the presence of God. Zechariah is... The Bible says he falls with fear. fear. He trembles at fear seeing this. He knows that this is a holy moment. Here's an angel. This is not common. This is not the normal thing that happens in this exchange. And he falls with fear. In the midst of his fear of trying to make sense of what is going on, the angel looks at Zechariah and says, Do not be afraid. For your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, who will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and the hearts of the Father to the children, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah, after hearing all this, still in fear, quips back, quite in fear, and my vernacular, this is what I think he, he's really saying, but he looks back at Gabriel and he says, how in the world do you expect me to believe this? Don't you see I'm an old man? And don't you know my wife is an old, old woman? So what does the angel do? Because of Zechariah's unbelief, the angel seals up the lips of Zechariah and makes him mute. And Gabriel, the angel, ends this course of action of muteness with the phrase, well, don't you know, with God, nothing is impossible. Now, Zechariah can't speak. And just imagine, he leaves the temple. He goes home to his wife. And the time comes, nine months later, Elizabeth is ready to have this fulfillment of what Gabriel told John. And she starts and has birth and has birth to this little baby. I'd like you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, verse 67, as we're going to read what happens, because after all these months, Zechariah can't speak. She uh, takes the baby um, during the Jewish customs, they're going to have him circumcised, and during this point is when they're going to name the baby. And the family is up in roar because Elizabeth is wanting to name the baby John. And they're like, no, you need to name him after his father. Don't you know this is the blessing of God? You finally have the blessing of God. And John takes this tablet, 
And this is how he communicated. And he wrote down, no, the baby is to be named John. And immediately when he wrote that the child's name was to be named John, his lips are loose. And here is what Zechariah says after all these months of not being able to speak. So Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 67. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up for us a mighty Savior and the house of David his servant. As he promised by the lips of holy men, those who were his prophets of old, a Savior would free us from our enemies and from the hate of all who hate us. So is his love for our fathers fulfilled and his holy covenant remembered. He swore to Abraham, our father, to grant us that free from fear and saved from the hand of our foes, we might serve him in holiness and justice all the days of our life in his presence. And as for you, little child, you will be called a prophet of God, the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways before him to make known to his people their salvation through forgiveness of all their sins, the loving kindness of the heart of God, who visits us like the dawn from on high. He will give light to those in darkness, those who dwell in the shadow of death, and guide us into the way, the path of peace. You may see some similar language with what we just read and what we began our time off with, um, that John the Baptist becomes the fulfillment of the one, the voice in the wilderness crying out, make way for God is come, God is here. And John the Baptist, this little child, quite literally lived in the desert, and he ate locusts and honey, which... I hear is equivalent to our McDonald's chicken nuggets and honey or barbecue sauce. Just so you know, that's my one joke for the day. I'm glad it landed. <laughs> and um, his purpose, John the Baptist's purpose was to prepare the hearts of the people to know that there is a path of peace. There is something greater coming than themselves, and this is in the person of Jesus. So let's talk about fear a little. Because the opposite of peace, we think of fear and we think of anxieties. Can we maybe see ourselves a little bit in the person of Zechariah? That we have gotten so used to how it has always been that we can't believe in anything greater than what we see with our eyes or touch with our hands or hear with our ears. See, human faith is simply misguided faith. Let me say that again. I think I messed that up. Human fear is misguided faith. With fear, it isn't that you've stopped believing, but it is that you are believing in something other than the goodness of God. Fear, misguided faith, is believing that broken things will always remain broken, and that things that are not broken will end up becoming broken because that's how it is in the real world. Human fear is the opposite of God's path of peace, which is completeness and wholeness in Jesus Christ. And so maybe we too have found ourselves in this life, this path of life that we're on, that we have a misguided faith 
a fear into who God is. Back in ancient times, if you were traveling with your family, with your tribe, whoever your people was, and in the distance you saw strangers far off, you didn't know who these strangers were. You didn't know what they were up to. Were they coming to, um, in the intersect, intersection of both of you crossing, were these strangers going to also be enemies? And so back then, you would typically send someone to go in front of you to say your peace, to say your shalom. We see this in the Old Testament. Um, there's some of our, our favorite Bible um, characters and stories with Joseph and his brothers and Esau and Jacob and David who was running from his life. And so the whole wellness of the blessing of peace, you would, you would send that up. You would, you would say shalom if you meant no harm. Do we think of God the same way sometimes with fear and misguided faith, thinking that he is so off, so far off, and so distant a stranger that we don't know who he is? And could it be that he also might be an enemy? I mean, even in the scriptures of Christ's birth, we find that Mary was afraid, and Joseph was afraid, and the shepherds were afraid. And we also find in scripture that God sent forth his messengers, angels, that would proclaim over the people peace, shalom, God's goodwill towards men. And I love the, my favorite announcement of God saying, here's my word. I don't want to be seen as some distant, far-off stranger, but my my, my master blessing is peace and goodwill to you, is when the angel appeared unto the shepherds. And he said, this angel appears to them, they're struck with fear, and he says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. For today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And then suddenly, not only one messenger comes to proclaim this message of shalom, but a whole, the whole heaven, it says a company of heavenly hosts appear, and they all in one voice, praising God, say glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace which we've learned, wholeness, completeness to all and goodwill to men. God's word spoken by these angels of his arrival is that no longer we would see our relationships as strangers, but that we would see our, ourselves as being complete and whole because God greets us with the person of peace, that this word of blessing is now made flesh in the person of Jesus. And this is who John the Baptist points to, Jesus, the way of peace, the path of peace. That we would hear God say to us, no longer will I be perceived as a stranger to you. Instead, I will be conceived in you, to be with you. So I come humbly and in peace. By entering this world as a little baby, I am empty, emptying myself to enter into all humanity so that you too may empty yourself and enter into all of who I am, which is your completeness, which is your wholeness, which is your peace. Amen. 
And this is good news. This is the good news that they were talking about. Shout it out, shout it out, right? This is similar. I don't know if you've ever heard the story of, and it's not as, this is true, um, 1914 called the Christmas Truce. As we know, 1914 was the beginning of World War I. And there was trench warfare going on, and two sides were fighting. It was the beginning of World War I. And uh, there are publications, there's actually pictures of this very thing that happened. And um, these two, two troops in trench warfare would live in the trenches, shooting at one another. And these two particular groups, uh, one was from the British and the other was the Germans. And in between them, there was this plot of land that they called no man's land. And they would fire off at each other. And the only time that they would have a day of rest was when both troops had um, killed so much between them that they needed a day to be able, each side, to bury who they needed to bury. And so Christmas Eve comes, and one side begins to sing some Christmas songs, and the other side hears them singing Christmas songs, so the other side starts to sing Christmas songs. And before you know it, they're, they're singing these songs in their own languages, but some of these melodies are so similar. And as they're singing these songs, one of the sides say to the other, tomorrow, we no shoot, you no shoot. And so Christmas Day comes, and the Christmas singing continues. And then one side invites the other side to meet them in the middle of no man's land for a game of kicking around a football. And over 100 to 200 soldiers came out from their trenches and met in the middle of no man's land, kicked around a football, greeted each other, talked, they put down their arms. They were not enemies, but they were brothers. This went on for months. This did not stop at the end of Christmas, but went on until its commanders and some other things ordered for them to stop fraternizing, among other things. But this is nonetheless a beautiful picture of what it could be when brother and brother lay down their weapons and follow the path of peace. Because Jesus inspires and points to radical unity between even enemies. And life is hard. Situations are hard. In fact, Jesus knows this, and he tells his disciples in Matthew 10, 34, and I have up here the message paraphrase because it's a really great understanding of what the scripture is getting to. Jesus says to his disciples, don't think I've come to make your life cozy. I've come to cut, make a sharp knife, cut, that if you don't go all the way with me through thick and thin, then you don't get me. If your first concern is to look after yourself, you will never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor, theologian, writer who was actually martyred for his faith by his own brothers in Germany because he had this kind of radical peace-making faith in Christ. 
And he said it this way, when a human being confronts Jesus, the human being must either die or kill Jesus. We have a daily choice and even so much more as Christians. We will either end up saying, not my will, but thy will be done, or we will kill the arrival of Christ, the Prince of Peace, longing to make his appearance to us and in us to the world? Will we follow Jesus on the path he leads, even if it means that the mountains must be made low and the valleys brought level so that a highway is made in our lives for communities and others to come and hear and see who God is and who he is all about? Or are we going to deal with our struggles in our lives and our own self, leaning on our own resources, going down different paths of anger, resentment, hate, frustration, unforgiveness, bigotry, lack of empathy? If the path we are on is not one of seeing ourselves and the world completed, hold, and restored, then likely we are not on the path of Jesus. I hate to say it, but it's the truth. If there's anything opposite from being whole, complete, restored, reconciled, then it probably isn't the path of Jesus because he's the prince of peace and he's the path of peace. For scriptures say that God did not come to condemn the world but to save the world through him. This past November, I got to go with some girlfriends to uh, Utah, and my friend was uh, turning 40, and she wanted to go on a hike, and I thought we were doing like a Hinkley Metropolitan hike. Um, no, we, we're not. We, uh, we're going to climb a mountain that... Uh, took us to the highest point called Angel's Landing, and they called it that because, well, it's so high only angels can land here. During this hike with all my girlfriends, and I was one of the older ones, so that has to, you know, give me a little grace there, um, I get about, we're not even halfway up. And they're going and they're doing great. And I'm looking at my Apple Watch and my heart rate's at 180. And I just start to realize this isn't something I'm going to be able to do. I'm not going to be able to make this. I need to just quit now. I'm going to, do I sit here at the side of the mountain, let them go do their thing, come back down? Do I go ahead and make my way down? And I told them, just go on without me. I'll, I'll, I'm going to figure this out. And as they left, then I start to cry because my friends left me and now I'm alone on the side of this mountain. And oh, you guys, it was terrible. It even got to a point, this friendly Okay, they were in their 60s. They climbed the mountain. They're coming down after the mountain. They see me crying in the corner, and they're like, are you okay? Can we get you something? I'm okay. I'm okay. Then I heard my friends yelling, come, come on, Karen. You can make it. You can do it. So I just, I, I went. This climb reminded me that following Jesus, the path of peace, is not going to be easy. It is the ascent to go up and out of ourselves to who he is, the most high God. And it is plumb impossible. We don't have the strength. We don't have the ability. We cannot do it on our own. But that is why we have Jesus. That is why he came. Because in him is all complete and wholeness. And with God, nothing is impossible. His presence is our peace. 
See, just like we read um, that first passage today, God was all about making the ascent and impossibility of the highest mountains to bring them low and the descent of the valleys and bringing them high so that there would be leveled ground becoming a highway, a fast highway in the desert, in the middle of no man's land. And in Jesus, we see this happen. Jesus brings down the high mountains of the impossible ascent. He becomes the level highway access right into directly the presence of the living God. That in Christ, we are now able to ascend and be in the presence of God because Jesus did all the work. Because Jesus even did all the descending even unto death. And Jesus did all the ascending to resurrection, to being seated next to God the Father, which we are now seated to him in Christ Jesus because we are one. He has overcome the world. Amen. And with us in Christ, who is our peace, we begin to live the word he has spoken over us. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. I've told you these things so that in me you are complete and whole, even though it doesn't seem like it. In a world you are going to have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world and I am your peace. And Jesus, being our peace, will invite us to hear his whispers of the paths of peace. Love your enemies. Bless those that hurt you. If someone slaps you, don't retaliate. If you lend something to someone, don't claim it back as yours, but let my gifts to you also be my gifts to them. If someone steals from you, go and get more and give it to them. Forgive those that sin against you. Forgive those that wrongly accuse you. I can tell you that after our long hike up this mountain in Utah, um, to Angel's Landing. Do you want to guess how long it took me to come off this mountain? It was about an hour and a half to get up. It took us no time at all, 30 minutes. It was the easiest thing to descend. It's so easy. Uh, we were off that mountain in no time. I could have ran off the mountain. My heartbeat was not going up. It was the easiest thing. And relating this to the other path, contrary to Jesus as the path of peace, these natural, self-made man paths of anger, anger, um, hate, unforgiveness, they are a descent down into us and away from Christ. And these descents down are so easy to lash out to someone that's lashing out to you, to flick someone off that has cut you off. It's the easy thing to do, to harbor bitterness for someone that's really hurt you. But Jesus invites you to follow him on his way to walk his road, to follow his path that will lead right into the very presence of God, that you will be whole and right and complete. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. This morning, some of us may be saying to um, yourself that all this sounds great, but life has me not looking so complete and whole right now. I feel more like a shattered shards of broken pieces. I've got more pieces than wholeness. 
And throughout the Psalms, we see that this is some of the words God says to us. He says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. And God will not despise or reject a broken and sorrowful heart. The difference between Christians and those that don't profess Christ is that, first off, we're all broken. But the difference is, is that we know who completes us, and that's Jesus. So peace is for you today. Right now, God wants to come and visit you this morning with his presence, bring wholeness, restoration, completeness to you. Because Christ pieces the pieces of our fragmented world and broken lives back together, whole in him, Jesus, who is our peace. As we begin to close out our time together, I'd like to invite you to enter into a prayer exercise called imaginative prayer. It's something a little different. Um, it's a little bit different than what we normally do um, at this time, but I would invite you just to continue to sit, to be comfortable. I'm going to ask the tech team to start to play some background music. And I'd like um, our ushers to begin passing out these um, little sachet bags. And these um, little bags that they're going to pass out to you here are something that you get to keep. This is something for you as you talk with the Lord this morning. Um, afterwards, don't, don't let this just be a one-time thing. Let, let these packets be with you in your car or at home um, that you can continue to have sweet, peaceful conversations with Jesus. Feel free to take one and pass it down to others in your row. As we uh, are going to be entering into this moment of prayer momentarily, we are going to just slow down. This is a fast-paced season. And we are going to choose to sit in our darkness of Advent. And we are going to choose to look forward to Christ, who is our completeness and wholeness. We're going to consider what might be some of the broken parts of your life or the world that Jesus is putting his finger on to bring you peace. So as you receive your bag, feel free to open it and remove little broken fragments. There should be three broken fragments. You can keep the paper in there. That's a prayer that you can pray later at home. And so now I believe everyone should have their sash, the little bag and their little pieces and just invite you to hold those pieces in your hand and to close your eyes as we enter into this time of prayer. Just close your eyes. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Would you speak to us now, Holy Spirit? We choose to look to Jesus in the midst of our brokenness. 
would you come and speak to us? Keeping your eyes closed and holding these fragments, God is spirit, and he is speaking to your spirit, and you can speak to him right from your heart. So taking out these fragments broken in your hands as you hold these broken fragments, what do they feel like in your hands? Do you feel the roughness of the one side and the smoothness on the other side? Is there something rough in your life that you are dealing with that you'd like to invite Jesus to come and smooth out? Do you feel the edges and differences of each fragment, how different they are? Can you relate these pieces to maybe something in your life that too is broken? These broken pieces in your life that you're thinking about right now or in the world, are they so sharp with edges that they have become altogether untouchable. Jesus wants to say to you this morning that he's not afraid to pick up the untouchable things. What emotions are you feeling? The natural reactions of fear, anger, pain, unforgiveness, bitterness when it comes to these pieces. Just take a couple of moments and just in your own way, speak to Jesus about these things. Come Holy Spirit. Peace is a mosaic of God's most beautiful work with us. God takes all the broken things and makes them a masterpiece. The pieces with flaws and chips, he marks them with his grace and his love so that now you don't 
bear so much your identity of your flaws, but you identify yourself in the very beauty of God himself. And the Holy Spirit and all, all the unorganized pieces and shatters of our life and world, he brings order. And he, he begins with God the Father and the Son as they put back these broken pieces that we are no longer broken and fragmented, but we are whole and complete, a new creation. So that when we step back from this life, when we step back and see the world, we no longer see fragmented pieces, but a beautiful mosaic of Jesus himself, all his love, all his goodness, his will of peace to you.